Hey, it's your healthy buddy, Chuck. Before we get started with the episode today, let's hear from our friends, the Esselstyns, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, and Rip and Jane, with a special invitation for you. Please join us for a night to remember in Washington, D.C. We are honored to be receiving the Midge Stuber Ambassador Award for a Better World at the National Press Club on November 7th. We're going to celebrate by joining Dr. Neil Barnard, Chuck Carroll, and all of our friends at PCRM for a live recording of the Exam Room podcast. And we would love for you to be there as well. So come on out and let's have some fun and reflect on this incredible journey. Woohoo! Coming up on the exam room because it's not just about veganism right it's about feeling healthy on the road and staying sure. healthy so and that's really hard when you're touring because you're just it's just it looks glamorous from the outside but it's a really intense lifestyle with not enough sleep and a lot of movement so when i bring in like a lot of plant-based catering and then the guys tend to feel better oh. and they're like oh i'm lighter oh i feel more satiated or you know my inflammation's gone down and the next thing I have them all doing yoga and we're eating vegetables and it's so not rock and roll. Welcome to the exam room podcast brought to you by the physicians committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Torrance, California, New Haven, Connecticut, and Glasgow, Scotland. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 88 of season 6, number 484 overall. You know, we have a legit rock star on the show today. Legit. Tanya O'Callaghan, she is a big-time bassist, has jammed with some monster names in music, shared the stage with the likes of White Snake and Dee Snider, Stephen Adler from Guns N' Roses, Sharon Core of The Coors, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden, and that's just getting started. Her resume is a monster unto its own and today tanya is here she is rocking with us because behind this amazing musician with wild hair is a soft heart for animals and the environment and of course health and what we have today is one heck of an interesting conversation to say the very least. We're gonna be getting into what Tanya eats when she's on tour. You know, it's not easy bouncing from city to city, but she's very assertive and she steps up to take charge to make sure she's not the only one who's eating healthy. We're also gonna be getting into her YouTube series, Highway to Health, which is just amazing. And then also, you're going to hear her talk about her granny back home in Ireland, who's not really sure about this whole being vegan thing. Is it a cult? I don't know. You're going to have to ask granny for her opinion on that one. Ditto for that skepticism with her rugged neighbor, who's also a military veteran. And Tanya is slowly but surely turning this guy, getting him to open his eyes a little bit to the world 
of eating plant-based. So that's a fun story that we're going to get into. And no doubt about it, this was definitely one of the highlights from the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine this year, sitting down with Tanya and just hearing these incredible stories. And the fun continued after the interview. It really did, because that's when we hopped, literally, into an old pair of my 66-inch waist pants. And we got together for this hilarious photo. I mean, it looked like it looked like, and you can see this right now in the thumbnail for this episode, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you can see it. Like, it looked like the two of us are prepping for a potato sack race. Like, these... <laughs> it's, it's just crazy, man. This whole interview was crazy, so let's just get to it. Let's rock out right now with an amazing woman who has a heart of gold. It's the one and only Tanya O'Callaghan on The Exam Room. It's really good to see you. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Legit rock star. Yeah, I put for, those two uh, words together. Like legit. What makes a rock star legit? Your hair. Okay. hundred percent. No. Taken. I mean, well, your day job, you play bass for some of the biggest bands out there. We're gonna get into a lot of health stuff, I promise you. But we we just this is your first time on the show. People need to know who Tanya is. I think a lot of people are looking at me walking around wondering why I'm at a medical conference. You scare the people. <laughs> but the people need to be scared. But you nobody uh, that's the cool thing, though, right? It's like you kind of are shattering the stigma that, you know, it's like you have to be this way or that way to be a proper vegan. And clearly, mm -hmm. you march to the beat of your own drum, girl. Yes, definitely. I like my drum. Yeah, I bet you <laughs> do. I thought you were a bassist. Do you play the drum, too? Badly, badly. I think badly? every every musician is like a failed drummer. So, right on. You know, Non-drummers. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's yeah. let's talk about this. So <laughs> legitimately, though, we don't have to go down the roster of bands that you've played with. It's impressive. But you do travel the world playing music and you have been eating a plant-based diet for how long now? My whole life. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. My whole life. I mean, we didn't have the words for, for any of these like diets in Ireland. I was just an accidental vegan. So yeah. It's, <laughs> how did this happen? Oh, oops. I just fell. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm a vegan. Um, no, I was four when I realized what meat was. So I was uh. a, a tiny tot in small town Ireland and I made the association with animals very, very young. And I also didn't like the taste of dairy. It was sour. My mom kind of has the same thing. So there was there was really no dairy in my diet anyway, by default. And then as soon as I figured out that my friend, the cow, who I thought was my pet, Daisy, was on the table, or my brother told me that. Obviously, it wasn't actually Daisy, but he was, you know, uh. he was messing with me. And I just started crying. And I remember it vividly. And I was like, hold on a minute. As most kids do, they make that connection. And then we kind of, you know, obviously suppress it. And we normalize eating animals. But I made that very young. And I stayed completely hell-bent on it. And I've been screaming about animal rights since I was a very annoying little girl and still am. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get people to, to listen, though? Like, especially... <clears throat> You know, at a conference like this, where clearly you are the only one walking around with that funky head of hair, right? <laughs> but like, you can still have these really cool conversations, this nice dialogue. Like, how do you begin to have that with people who haven't had that same type of experience, that same epiphany that you have had? Yeah, in my case, obviously, I've been doing this my whole life. So it's very easy for me to be, I don't even tend to use the word vegan. Obviously, I am a mm. proud, ethical vegan. 
on paper but I just think that like living by example doing what I do as well in my world and staying healthy on the road and you know the stereotypes that go go with musicians and, and rock and roll is quite different these days and it's fun for me to travel and talk and go to especially I love this I'm a big dork really I'm not rock and roll no, at all out, I'd girl. much prefer to be on a <laughs> conference I'm just like oh this is awesome I get to learn <laughs> we should get you a lab coat with some flames on it I have oh my god I'm so happy I got a lab coat did you yeah I was like I hope I don't have to give it back you got a keepsake yeah I think so a plus or don't tell anyone sorry oh. I'm keeping it cut <laughs> I felt very very special to have one the other day oh but, did uh, you do the Dr. Whitehouse photo is that what well, happened well we started going there and then torrential rain uh, appeared so I bailed and went to plant a queen <laughs> well that you know that works too Should well yeah get... but it's amazing it's been amazing because I, I get to have really interesting conversations because people are kind of semi-confused why I'm here but uh but I've actually worked in this long before I was a musician so from 8 to 18 I worked in a rescue shelter and I was a vet's assistant and I worked very very hands-on with animal rights so I was doing undercover investigations and rescue and rehab for, for 10 straight years that was my path and then I picked up a base at 17 and did a 180 the rest is history yeah <laughs> I, I did not know that you went undercover. So you've seen some things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, brutal. I worked in a shelter for 10 straight years, and it was it was full on. It was really hard. Yeah. Like everything, court cases, like, you know, legal battles, undercover rescues. It was, yeah, talk it was to, intense. Talk to me about the, the undercover rescues. So you'd have to collect, you know, information. Like now there's ag-ag laws over here. This is way back in the day in Ireland. But we would get calls from anonymous people all over Ireland saying, you know, they had seen could be dogs it could be horses it could be downed farm animals that were neglected or left we've seen a lot of that where um people had just run out of money to couldn't keep the animals so they just abandoned them a lot mm. of the time which is there's so many parts of that are sad and devastating because also farmers are struggling in the equation right but um and it could be anything like animal hoarding we had uh just horrible people who abuse animals and you you got anonymous calls all the time saying mm. you know at this address such and such is happening and I was really young working at that shelter I started at eight volunteering so by the age of about 12 I was on these like call out teams and then we were rehabbing animals from awful awful situations so it was full on so I saw a little bit too much too young but it really you know obviously there's no going back on the fight you're going to fight your whole life when you see this but sure. you also see a lot of beautiful stuff as well yeah you know we had a lot of amazing cases and we did a lot of collaborations with shelters in different countries and everything and it was I got to travel really young to some interesting stuff and yeah animals taught me a lot like they really did and it was hard work as well like there's a reason I'm a really hard worker in a hustle. yeah like working yeah, yeah. working in those shelters is no joke and it's all volunteer based so but it's hard for an adult to see that and I know you said you know, it just kind of glossed over like it was you know, probably saw a little bit too much too soon like how did you deal with that and cope I mean because those are some pretty graphic images yeah yeah it's uh, it was definitely intense but the the way that the shelter was ran was all volunteer so we didn't have um any of the resources and we didn't have we didn't have a choice it was like if we got a call out whoever was volunteer that day and the couple that ran the shelter we just would go because you you're in fight or flight right mm -hmm. for the animals so you have to just go and do whatever is necessary in that moment so in hindsight a lot of while it was happening, although you are shocked and sad, you're just, you just go into tunnel vision and you're like, okay, we got to get the animal out. And then you, we were so busy. I spent so much of my time there. It was unbelievable. And then you get the animal and then you're rehabbing the animals. So you're in this process through the animal's life and hopefully, you know, it's full rehab. So you definitely bury a lot of it. And it's something I started to realize in my mid-teens. I was like, God, I'm really... 
like generally a happy-go-lucky person, mm. but I was feeling a lot of weight and heaviness around it emotionally, and I didn't quite understand it because I'm also from like small town Ireland where people don't talk about emotions or mental health. Like <laughs> under the guise of the Catholic Church, your entire life's like, don't say anything. But um, what I was also doing was I've, since I was really young, I was writing activist letters to like the Minister for Agriculture and the Pope and Santa, you name it, I wrote them a letter. So I was like finding ways to kind of purge my thoughts and I have all these crazy poetry books I found when I was an adult, it's funny. So I don't think I really dealt with it, I was just in action all the time for animals when I was young, I was just completely in action. But then when I started to veer off into a music career, I felt it was a really a great and stronger path for me because I'd done all the boots on the ground work for so many years yeah. full on activism you know barred from fur shops front line like at all the rallies like I was hot headed yeah. I got that out of my system in a way I learned so much it taught me seriously hard work um, there was no time off or days off and then you 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 have all this foundational work in that and then you go okay well now how can I be of service to animals and the planet and I have this mm. this platform now mm. so it kind of it shifted but I get to be an activist in a way that's probably a bit better for my own mental health yeah <laughs> so when you're talking to somebody like I mean how how do you approach them like initially I think you you just kind of said like you, you went at them like a little bit harder right but people tend to shut down when you come yeah. hard yeah. right so how how have you found that is the best way to get somebody to stop and to pay attention mm -hmm. and to not be so adversarial when you're talking about these things yeah well i was young and fiery then you know i'm glad i got it out i think system. you're still fiery maybe just in a different way <laughs> older and less fight no i'm definitely fiery but uh on, yeah. but it's true you know and I, I don't regret any of that and i understand because vegans are always debating on like what's the right approach i mean there's room for everyone at the table if it's sure. helping but it, yeah, it doesn't work for a lot of people when you're screaming, whatever, meat is murder, you're, you know, throwing blood outside a fur shop. But, you know, there's time and a place for different types of activism. But because I have that background, I can see now in hindsight, okay, I probably scared more people off. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but I also, food is definitely the greatest, like it's humanity's greatest uniter and food, I'm a massive foodie. Not, I don't really like that word. Of course, everybody loves food, but for lack of a better term, love, love, love the travel, the exploring food that comes with it. And what I found is just sharing this like abundance of food as I travel all over the world and yeah. showing people how I eat backstage, how I eat on the road, how we do the backstage catering, how easy it is to find vegan options everywhere. And I tend to stay, stay away from... Like, I'm not constantly seeking out vegan. Like, I'll often go to a steakhouse and show, you know, this is where I got the best meal ever because they have fresh produce. And I believe going to non-vegan places is really good because you're, by putting in the request for it, they're going to start to go, oh, there's a demand for it. Yeah. So things like that. And just, I guess, leading by example, being healthy, showing that, like, I'm alive my whole life somehow without protein i've no mm -hmm. idea <laughs> oh yeah it's like yeah without pro you've How never had any here? protein yeah my god you're an enigma woman <laughs> so you know it's just like yeah if i'm i'm good like i've been yeah. doing this my whole life so i guess a lot of it is people just going all right you look seem to be healthy and happy and right on. it seems to be doable so i guess just food is, is a massive uniter for people to have great conversations i agree we're going to come back to food but mm -hmm. i, I want to go back to the rescue like can you walk us through what a rescue typically was like what was your role were you sneaking onto a farm somewhere were you sneaking into somebody's backyard what was the rescue operation actually like 
So there was different ones. Like we had a few hoarder situations where you get a call from like a neighboring person that's like, I think they're keeping a lot of animals in the house, but you have to get evidence. So you would call sometimes. And if there was no answer, there would be some, you know, you'd sneak around the back and have to try and get photos. Back then it was really hard because, mm. you know, we didn't have the digital cameras we have right. in our pockets now. You try, you always try first to communicate in any situation, right? Because you don't know what's going on with the person. You can't immediately point the finger. Someone could be mentally ill. There could be anything going on. There could be extreme poverty. So it would just depend on the case. And then we did, like I remember one years ago when we found out that there was nobody in the house. They had just abandoned a load of animals. So we had to break in, but you have to get the police involved. And then depending on the severity of the cruelty, um, some would have to just be put down because it was too bad mm. and you're like let's just put them out of their misery because it's not it's there's no going back from like extreme extreme um, neglect and then you'd have beautiful cases where I would take a lot of animals on that quite often not always but quite often animals have been abused by male figures so they would literally not trust the guys at the shelter so I spent a lot of my time rehabbing animals that were completely afraid of any male character um, so I had horses and chickens and cats and all sorts that you just spend every waking hour like bottle feeding them back and medication and warmth and all that. And a lot of them bounced back. We lost a lot. With the bigger animals, you had to get like the SPCAs involved, the police involved, because it's very hard to move like a cow or a horse. We had horses we found in ditches that were dumped mm. into ditches. Mm. Like, and that was really, really tough because, and I got a lot of injuries because we would have to get ropes and like put it under the horse. And it was a lot of young volunteers and maybe one or two guys and we're literally trying to physically take animals out. I got a lot of the strange thing that happens in Ireland where People dump animals in bags into the river, which is a way to get rid of kittens and puppies that went on for a long time. I hope it doesn't still, but that was strange. But some people would see it happen and call immediately because we were the only shelter in a small town. Yeah. And someone had just seen someone do it instead of just abandoning them at the shelter. So we would go as quick as we could and hope that we could find the bag downstream. And sometimes you'd have, you know six or seven drowned kittens and one would would live so we, we just did our best but you know as well as that the older and wiser you get it was like let's try to get education programs in place because you just again you can't you can fight all day long with the opposite side but we started to get involved then in a lot of traps bay release mm. so you go into the communities that tend to be doing this most and be like hey here are vouchers you can get your pets spade here's a free voucher just let's stop this cycle yeah so there was all sorts of different iterations of it and it was pretty intense and like yeah all sorts of animals over the years Dag on yeah, and crazy. at such a young age you're doing that man yeah, it was intense that's it like i would have developed a serious emotional callus like mm -hmm. just by default just to go into self-preservation mode at that point that's a hard thing to see tanya toughens you up yeah Legit. All right. Well, let's talk about something a little more happy and that universal, you don't like the word foodie, but food brings them together, man. Yeah. You know, um, you said that you like to go to non-vegan restaurants and that's kind of how you educate things. One of the things that I was shocked when I started to eat a plant-based diet was, and I'm not a huge fan of going to a steakhouse, but if that's where my family extended family wants to go, I have always found it particularly easy to eat a plant-based meal at a steakhouse, which there is a lot of irony there. Yeah. A lot of irony. I know, but isn't it great? It's, I mean, the reason I use steakhouses as an example, because it's a real typical choice of like, if I'm at a, a music 
conference, like the music version of this, all the guitar companies, they always pick a steakhouse for the for the group dinners on tour. A lot of people, not so much now because people are a bit more woke up to it. But so and they I get these emails or messages or calls going, I know you're vegan, but sorry, we booked the steakhouse. I'm like, it's fine. And because you know that, especially if it's like a high end, whatever that means, like a fancy steakhouse, they're going to have really good seasonal produce. Yeah. And it's interesting all over the world in these like in fish restaurants and steakhouses, if you politely ask and you're not a pain in the ass and you talk to the chef, hey, you know, I'm vegetarian, vegan, or you want to say you have an intolerance or whatever, you don't want to get into a fight about food. Would you mind making something with the vegetables? And quite often the chefs, actually most of the time, the chef's excited to make something different because they're making the same thing over and over again for the usual clientele. And I've literally had the best meals of my life in steakhouses, and, and that sounds shocking, but and in like a fish restaurant in Cape Town because the chef was so excited. He's like, oh my God, I get to... Like he's a French trained chef and he's making the same dish all day long. And right. he made this incredible like Juliana yeah. vegetable. So it's fun and it also gets conversations going, you know? So I think the food is just such a great bridgeway for so many things. And and the your fellow band members, you know, do they kind of look at what, you know, what's time to eat tonight? <laughs> maybe, maybe, let's go ahead and leave this over here. I want what she's having. Yeah, you get yeah. a lot of that? Yeah, big time. And I kind of like most bands that I join, they know I'm like, you're getting a bass player, but you're also getting a very outspoken activist in the band. So, you know, I come with all this yeah. activist baggage. <laughs> you accept it as it is, right? But, uh, and they know I love food. So I will ask like to have a majority say on backstage catering because it's not just about veganism right it's about feeling healthy on the road and staying sure. healthy so and that's really hard when you're touring because you're just it's just it looks glamorous from the outside but it's a really intense lifestyle with not enough sleep and a lot of movement so when i bring in like a lot of plant-based catering and then the guys tend to feel better oh. and they're like oh i'm lighter oh i feel more satiated or you know my inflammation's gone down and the next thing I have them all doing yoga and we're eating vegetables and it's so not rock and roll the master like, sorry plan. to you know spoil the whole idea people have Plan but I- they do and but and also a lot of musicians these days like the the stereotypical image people have of rock and roll is really a handful of bands maybe do that but most people it's such a hard industry that you have to keep on top of your health mm. so and it's in order like you're on the you're on the road for months on end. Right. You have to stay healthy. So if they feel good, and there's you often get a bunch of guys that don't really particularly care what they're eating once they're just eating. As long as it tastes so, good, basically. Yeah, and I get really good stuff brought in, and their minds are blown, and they're like, oh, okay, this is great. Let's do this. So what's on Tanya's food rider? What are the must-haves? <laughs> it's quite boring. The backstage rider is always the same because, well, you try not to eat. It's hard I'm I naturally intermittent fast. It's not like a plan. I, I just I'm not hungry in the morning, which is great because once I start eating, I I'm like a horse. It just never stops. <laughs> I just burn calories all day. But I try not to eat too much after stage because you get a false hunger from adrenaline when you come off stage. So before I tend to just have like steamed broccoli, rice, or a grain of some type because it's plain also because you're touring globally, so you want consistency. Mm-hmm. So it's all well and good if I'm somewhere in the US on the east or west coast and I can get, you know, seitan skewers and tofu this and tempeh that. You can't, in order for me not to have to change my rider everywhere I go, I just keep it kind of basic. It's like a whole grain of some type, um, always nuts and seeds around, some broccoli, some beetroot or something like that. I tried to get like the whole rainbow in and I, I have that as a baseline rider 
so that no matter where you go globally, they generally have that. And then, you know, I'll check in advance if there's a great vegan restaurant nearby or a vegan catering company. And every now and then we get like a whopper caterer that comes in and it just blows everyone's mind. Right on. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We just had that in Brazil. We had like a speciality vegan catering company come in for the Brazil shows. Get and out. It was unreal, the food. Oh, my God. The band were like, what? Did you have the same caterer throughout the country? <laughs> No, no, it depends where you are. If you're somewhere like the UK, you'll have a caterer because it's a smaller country, so yeah. you, can, you can hop. But, you know, if you're in, you, you tend to, it depends on the size of the tour. You won't always bring catering with you but, right. or in-house will supply it. But if you're in somewhere like South America, it's too big. You can't carry a crew like that, so you just get local. Now, are you the one that's actually working with the caterer, or do you put that on your manager or the tour promoter? Whose job is it actually to sit down and say, hey? This is what we're getting. You submit your rider to your tour manager and your tour manager puts it forward. But because I'm such an involved person with food, I tend to be like, hey, by the way, here's a list of... I was Because <laughs> I was just thinking, because I was like, you know what? Like, not a lot of people eat an exclusively plant-based diet. You don't want to put that on somebody who's yeah. not all that yeah. familiar. But, I mean, the psychology around food is so interesting. Like, when I look at most of what's there, other than those... I won't curse. I'll try not to curse, even though yeah, I'm Irish. Do what you got to do. The, typical trays that like any event has backstage like these meat trays these cheese trays and the, the approach I took with a lot of that is more guys it's such a waste nobody's eating this mm. these meat trays are just rotting and being thrown in the bin the food waste alone irregardless of you care about animals or you're plant-based or whatever um so it's like starting with things like that it's like let's take because they're just a default on a musician's rider for some reason someone along the way made that decision there's always a meat tray and a cheese tray and a fruit tray and nobody eats nobody eats it it's so like people pick from it so i was like look waste wise because food waste is something i'm very passionate about as well stop if you really want it you'll know in a few days a few shows in god i really meet them you know miss the meat tray yeah so people are like yeah it's very wasteful isn't it because it's also about like our use of plastic on the road it's such a wasteful industry mm. so it's like coming at it from from different approaches but there's also like a lot of the snacks and fruit and there's there is like vegan things you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you taking your own utensils with you reusable or you go with the biodegradables or what do you do there and it depends on the tour so if we're packing up on the start of a tour like and we're sending so say for instance we're, we're going out from wherever california and the crew are going to pack our wardrobe mm -hmm. um, our roller cases and our crew i will pack some stuff in that like so, you know my yoga mat goes in and some of the stuff i like to have in my dressing room and i will i'll put in like reusable or glass truck because i hate the plastic i like no plastic in my backstage room because mm. i hate the look of it as well um, and just trying to make those little steps, yeah. Yeah. And then, and I'm really, really blessed to have a lot of friends who own restaurants all around the world. So yeah. every city I roll into, they're like, we're sending food to the venue. I'm spoiled like that because I make nice. friends with a lot of food people. <laughs> nice. Well, it's, it's helpful, isn't it? And then they send too much. So I go around giving it out and the band are like, this is vegan? I'm like, yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, like I get, I'm really lucky like that. People, because they know if they follow me, like they know how much I love food. So they yeah. send me stuff. Have, a, um, have you ever like fully had somebody make that conversion over to a plant-based diet just because they've like seen what you've eaten? They've sampled it. Like, dang on, that's pretty it, dang You good. mean in the bands? In the bands, yeah. Yeah, a lot actually. And not necessarily like fully labeled vegan. I also don't push that. It's like, look, you spend time, enough time around me and, you know, traveling together 
a lot of already like veering that way musicians that are healthy and health conscious will end up being majority plant-based mm. and i think that's great i'm not there to like drill home the last five percent yeah so a lot a lot of them do and after tours and stuff over the years they'll stay in touch but a lot of crew which is where i target so a lot of the music industry i say target like it's like a mission i'm coming for <laughs> you coming for you because typically a lot of industry crews i'm talking about like your backline guys lighting your roadies your riggers these guys are road dogs they've been on the road for 30 40 years and they're very it's a very stereotypical road diet they're eating fast food because you can get it everywhere we go they're drinking coca-cola or mountain dew they're all hypertension diabetes you know overweight. oh they got them all do they and they don't don't know anything about food because they live on the road. They're real crew dudes. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, give me that. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's go. And I've had some really amazing stories, actually, with crew over the years. A couple of the crew curing diabetes just by eating with me on sure. the road. Yeah, yeah. And like massive weight loss. And then, you know, it's fun because, you know, you move. I, I'm a freelancer. So obviously I've been in multiple different bands. So that's like my tour family for a year or two. And then I'm on to the next tour family. But I'll stay in touch with some of the guys over the years that are like I stuck to it and I feel great and I lost all this weight and it just but they didn't know and it can be something as simple as switching out um like a fizzy drink as we call them in Ireland your sodas over here like any type of uh, a fizzy drink for water or for a sparkling water which was mind-blowing to a lot of people because a lot of guys like that had no idea that there are like calories in these drinks because it's liquid they don't have the association of like this is they never put that together no a lot of people don't because they're drinking it and you're like hey turn around whatever product it is and you're like there's 46 59 80 something grams of sugar yeah um just drink sparkling water instead so that simple switch would be would be like a huge shift and then instead of even if it's not perfect like if you're still going for fast food get the beyond burger and get it try to get a healthier side and just make these little incremental changes And then they feel better because it's hard to live on the road. Like with the bands, it's hard enough when you're tour busing. But we have a little bit more luxury in the sense that, you know, we're obviously usually going to a hotel after even if it's a long bus drive. But the crew live on buses like they live on buses and it's a tough life. And they're rigging and they're there hours before us and hours after us. And they're the hardest working people in the industry by a mile. And they're the unhealthiest people in the industry as well. Not all of them. Obviously, you've got, you know, the go-getters but it's uh, it's really interesting i love that about touring because if you can have a positive impact like that on your tour family in some way and it's not pushy you know they no, just see no, i'm no, doing no, no, yoga no. before shows and handing broccoli out and you know <laughs> i would imagine like and speaking of like yoga it would be to um, their advantage to be you know limber and fit because that that is a that's a hard job man you are lifting heavy stuff day in day out yeah. multiple times a day yeah yeah big yeah time. Big yeah time. They need to look at every all of us do. I mean, in whatever you do, but it is it's a it's a tough industry. People don't see the what goes into putting a show mm. together. And like long after the band and everyone has left the venue as well, these guys are still there tearing it down. Oh yeah, yeah. roadies, so it's man. Like, yeah, roadies are shout out to all the roadies, my favorite people. They are hardworking <laughs> individuals. Like, you know what I would love to do? I would love to do a show with you and a roadie or two who you've actually impacted and just get that full story as yeah, well. We just do a whole documentary on it. Duh, oh God, like let I me love doing like documentaries. just be behind the scenes. I don't care. Yeah, just yeah. let me be involved in that. That would be fascinating yeah yeah. like legit fascinating um what are some of the bands that the exam roomies who are watching or listening right now uh, might be familiar with who you've had the the privilege of playing for well i mean i'll go back i'll start at the beginning 
back in Ireland, back in the day. Um, first band, well, they wouldn't really be known here. So I did like some of the girls from the Corps, if anyone knows the, the Corps. Corps so yeah. I'm going right back to when like I started. I did like pop bands no one would ever know over here. Brian McFadden, Westlife. Had uh, Sharon Core, and then I did like the house band for the Late Late Show and uh, The Voice and all this these different shows like that before I made the leap of faith to come over to the US. You're making a face. So you're like the Late Late Show, not the one here. So oh, we have our own. I was like, hmm. yeah. So okay. my foundations of a lot of what I did was in house bands and TV shows. Right. And then on. when you play in the house band, you get gigs off the back of that, and that's where yep. this all started to happen. And then when I was in my early 20s, for anyone that knows Tool, if you're oh, yeah, metal man. prog, I, mean, man, I love that whole genre. Maynard um, brought me over to record. Maynard Keenan brought me to Arizona. And that's what kicked off the American idea of being over here because Maynard took a risk on me as a young player and I wrote and recorded with him for his other project, Pussifer. So people usually know Tool. He has Tool, A Perfect Circle and Pussifer, which is um, a lot of guests. It's like a revolving door. And I met them in Glasgow when I was doing a show and Tool were doing a show and we just, you know, we clicked and we were talking music and he invited me to play. I was like, "Uh, yeah, like I will definitely come over and play for you. That's dope. (laughs) So that triggered a a thing in my head he was definitely a catalyst for like well if i can go to the u.s and play with someone that i admire that much musically but is is that big of a deal in the music industry what else could happen if i mm-hmm. you know jumped across the pond and see what happens so then after that i went back and forth to ireland a lot and i was just doing like all sorts of like wedding bands corporate bands still working in animal rights a lot and then i moved to la and i was just you just have to get in the scene. It's really weird because I came back to zero. I was playing with everyone you could possibly play with in Ireland and across Europe. But it's such a small scene that at a certain point you've rotated around mm-hmm. and you can't, you're not really going to get any further. So when I came to the US and I was kind of back down at the bottom. So I just, I came on my own base on my back and I started playing jam nights. So they're like open jam nights. So, you know, professional musicians that are off tour kind of rotating around these scenes in LA. And eventually people start to see you play. And the first, I had a pop gig for a while with a kid called Jordan Fisher that was more in R&B and toured with him for a while. And then and then Dee Snyder's band saw me, Dee from Twisted Sister. And Dee hired me to do what was supposed to only be like a one or two show thing. And then we toured together for like two years and wow. did an album. And Dee's amazing. So Dee was one of my first like American rock and roll things. And then after Dee, I was with Steven Adler, Guns N' Roses. And then immediately after that, White Snake. And then Bruce Dickinson, Iron Maiden. So Duh. I just went through the 80s like a wildfire. That's like shit, man. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. I don't know how I just like swept the 80s for some reason. That's amazing. <laughs> man, that just speaks to the old part of me that was I mean, that, that hits, classic hits, rock hits, DJ, hits. man. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. And I'm really like, it's it's lovely because I, you know, a member of Whitesnake and will be until ever he decides to, to cut it. But he's, they're brilliant to work with. And then Bruce, I'm just like, I can't believe it. It's so fun. Yeah, for real, Yeah, man. and good people. Everyone is just good people. Girl, that's a that's a charmed kind of professional yeah. life you got there. That's pretty amazing. They accept me and my vegetables, which is nice. <laughs> well, so has that rubbed off on, on somebody like a D? Like, is he open yeah, to the yeah, whole idea D of going is, to a plant-based restaurant? D's whole that? family are vegan. And D is like, he's always joking because he's like, someone's got to eat meat in this family. <laughs> But he eats very little. And we had them because I have this show you may or may not know about Highway to Health that we launched. But Dee was one of our guests recently. And he's so funny because it's just like, God, he's surrounded by vegans. Yeah. <laughs> his wife, all his kids. That's a reality yeah. show right yeah, there. That's yeah, what that time, is. Yeah, time. But he's great. He gets it and he's so healthy. And Dee is a great example of like people presuming like 
for those who know Twisted Sister, when you look at them, and I, re- I remember when I joined, my mum was worried because she had seen pictures and she said something to my dad, like, oh my God, she's hanging out with Twisted Sister. Because they look, you know, they were like that glam metal thing. Yep, yep. But they're so, it's so the opposite. Like Dee has never drank, smoked, never touched a drug in his life. Himself and his wife have been together for 50 years. They're amazing. He's so smart and so healthy. And it's the opposite to what people think. But he's a rock star, right? It's a gimmick, yeah. But yeah, and it's funny. And David's, um, David Coverdale is very, like, mostly plant-based and still in touch about that all the time. And, you know, I was just talking to his wife yesterday. I'm going to go up and cook them some food. And, oh, for yeah, real? Yeah, show them some, like, home recipes because they, they love it. And they're just, you know, they're into health. And they want to, people want to feel good as they age. And especially into, like, retirement age for musicians who've been on the road for such a long time like oh, they yeah. want to feel good oh, so yeah. and Bruce by default is very plant-based he does eat a little bit of meat and some dairy but he gets it he's a really really intelligent guy he's a complete polymath he's a fascinating brilliant character and he gets it so he's like his rider and my rider are actually identical except for he has hard-boiled eggs and so it's so funny so a lot of people are aware health-wise so yeah I think it's and then we're good at, good influences on each other and it's 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 good room for for, for debate it's interesting awesome. makes right. great interesting conversation oh i have no doubt uh where is highway to health in case the roomies want so to highway, find it? highway to health is a brand new on youtube we just um we just decided to put it out as a like softly launch it on youtube because it was this is crazy passion project myself and Derek Green from Sepultura for any metal listeners out there the singer of Sepultura is also like a long long time vegan we were trying to figure out if we collaborated, how we could use our platform. So we've all these great contacts. We play with all these bands. So we started filming before the pandemic and the pandemic, like everything else, kind of shut everyone down. But we had all this footage from around the world. We've celebrity guests all over it. Everybody's on it. Yeah. We we're just trying to figure out what do we do with these 23 terabytes of footage? And we may end up still trying to go mainstream, but because of all, like everyone got delayed with what happened with the world, we were like, let's not let it all age. So we're going to just start dumping some of it on YouTube. So it's just literally, if you go on, it's called Derek and Tanya's Highway to Health on YouTube. And we have a couple of episodes up. We have like Kevin Smith and Kat Von D and we have one in, in Ireland, my hometown and Derek's hometown. And we're just going around talking to people from all different walks of life, showing how easy it is to actually be plant-based. Does your family make any of the cuts? Are they oh, all Oh, yeah. My granny calls me cult leader in the <laughs> episode. It's brilliant. She's like veg- she, vegan. She thinks, my granny's 95. She's a legend. And she, I'm always giving her shit because she's like basically vegan. She eats spuds and cabbage, you know. She's like a tiny bit of me, but she's such a character. And, uh, oh, yeah, we went into her and she's like, well, it's like a cult. But she said... Yeah. She said it was brilliant. She said, but there's no harm in it. <laughs> <laughs> it like She's best, a legend. Best backhanded compliment I've ever got off my grandmother. You're in a cult. It's called vegan, but you know. <laughs> That's amazing. But you have to be able to laugh at this stuff. It's brilliant. Character. Brilliant. Granny. Yeah, yeah. So 95. the parents are in there and everything. And then, yeah. So we have so much. I mean, I have so many projects going that I'm just trying to make sure like everything is still tipping along as I do everything else. I also want to ask you about your neighbor, Bob. Bob is getting quite famous on your Instagram there, Tanya. Bob, yeah, he's going to kill me for talking about this already. He's like, <laughs> he's like, really? He can't. Bob is brilliant. So I'm going to do a documentary based around the story of my neighbor, Bob, who's a, um ex-Vietnam vet, brilliant man, 75, really funny. Like I moved into this tiny desert town and we're... You couldn't like have two more diametrically different people. Um, in general, in that town, I stood out. Let's just say that. Can't imagine. Yeah, um, but we became fast friends, um, even though we're so opposite. And they're the greatest neighbors 
you could ever want and they were telling me to turn up I'm like this has never happened when a musician moves into a neighborhood and they're like turn up because when i'm getting ready for tour i'm yeah. really like playing loud sure they're like we love it and bob had a lot of loss last year he lost his wife and his son in one day and it kind of triggered mm. this um this idea where i just i was trying to help when i was off the road because he's frustrated with the lack of services there for him through not not that it's the va's fault but just in general the lack of services for mental health mm. for you know any other ways to cope with what had happened no idea about nutrition you know he's never cooked he's like a biker dude who's been on the road and you know yeah just great like tough as old boots character so I was feeding him anyway. So by osmosis, he was kind of <laughs> vegan. By right accident. on. Feeling good, liking it. He calls it witchcraft. He thinks I make grass. It's, <laughs> it's all very funny. Like myself and Bob's conversations are amazing. He's, he's brilliant. But, uh, but anyway, I was basically trying to figure out if I could um, get a group of his friends that were in similar situations who had either had loss or trauma or just, you know, PTSD from back in the day and use food as just something exciting to i was going to just literally put on like a some workshop at town yeah yeah and um and then i thought wow maybe we should document it and then one of the foundations that i work alongside really liked the idea and we said well why don't we actually do a full story on this and also but more importantly like documentaries are great and media is really impactful but we should do a full study and come off the back of this with a published medical journal that we can hopefully implement into large groups so it's i'm right in r&d at the beginning of this so like no pressure talking about it live now i have to <laughs> should we even well i mean sh should we even include this in the final product do we need to take it you out can. no i'm let's yeah you tell me but oh, um, yeah, you tell me it's your project put fire under yeah. <laughs> like, but one of my reasons for being here this week other than like i'm a dork who wants to just infiltrate Nerd out, girl. I'm like i get to learn for free with all the doctors <laughs> <laughs> It's great, but I was also here scouting out who would be the best people to have involved because it's it's also going to be a very lighthearted and humor based. I'm all about that, like all yeah. the, all the shenanigans. We yeah. need lighthearted approaches, yeah. but some of the doctors that will be involved are here, so there's a lot of just networking around that because it's gonna it's gonna be a huge project. Outstanding, and it's um it's gonna take you know the really the right team, and obviously this is a great resource to to network with people with PCRM because, for sure. You know everybody's covering just about every topic, so I have Alan Desmond on board already. Al, that's yeah. my boy right yeah, there, Irish homie. Yeah. Yeah, You're man. not being biased, but you know, <laughs> Irish doctors are awesome. So Alan's definitely on board and he's amazing. I'm meeting him in a couple of weeks actually to to start the process there. And um, I'd say Garth will probably be involved in Gemma, given the fact that we're now karaoke buddies. Oh yeah. <laughs> we don't have to tell that story today. But like experts from every and, and very heavily focused on also on mental health and gut health correlation to mental health, which mm. I think that most people don't think about in general, but it's so powerful. And it's not to say that like, oh, you, you get a gastroenterologist and then their mental health issues are going to go away. But if they can feel better and they can start to make that connection, I'll also have like neurologists and we'll have like mindfulness practices mm. going on. So yeah, it's the, it's the beginnings of a very exciting project. I'm like, what am I after letting myself in for? <laughs> no, I'm pumped up, man. Cause like yeah, that's, excited. that's a total picture. Um, last question. That's still a fun one. You've gone all over the freaking world playing your music. You travel, like you have spent an inordinate amount of time on the road. What are the easiest countries to eat a healthy plant-based diet? Hmm. Not America. Really? <laughs> if you're on the, well, well, let me be more specific because I always laugh about this. If you're on the east and the west coast, easy. No problem. And most, it's getting better. But 
a couple of years back, if you're doing a bus tour in the middle of America or the Midwest or the South, it was hard because it's just more fast food. But um, mainland Europe is pretty easy. I mean, Germany is miles ahead with it. Um, I think that actually, like the UK is also pretty good. It's just because I'm looking at it from a different perspective. I don't think it's hard because mm. I've been doing it my whole life. So I know how to read a menu anywhere. So and food begins with psychology, obviously. So it's I have like I could say ever I could sit here and list all the continents, basically. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's more about how to like how you read a menu. So you yeah. could be in France or you could be in Cape Town or you could be in Brazil. And ironically, like Brazil, even though it's such I go to Brazil a lot and even though they eat a lot of meat, typically they have the biggest abundance of fruits and vegetables in the world. So that's really easy in Brazil. Yeah. But people in Brazil don't often see what's right in front of them because they're, for some reason over the years, obviously meat has got associate, associated with affluence everywhere. So I think the hardest place is China just because it's such a meat culture in the markets. But at the same time, as you go out into rural cities, it's people are by default plant-based. Yeah. So everywhere is a little bit different. Um, but I've, you know, I've, I spent, the, my favorite thing about touring is food and finding restaurants. So oh, yeah. I, I, this question could take like two hours to answer if you want to like list. I mean, I honestly <laughs> think like that. I, I would hope that that's part of like highway to health, like some of your favorite oh, spots, yeah, yeah, the yeah. hot spots, yeah, yeah. like put them out there, mm-hmm. man. You know, yeah, we've been out and we literally we did like we're, we've done quite a few countries already. And then we went on board with uh, with Sea Shepherd doing like an ocean conservation episode, Fine. eating fully plant based on the ships. We did stuff on the automotive industry. So we were with Ford in Brazil talking about like what's you know what's really the story with electric and the interior of the car so we're covering quite a few different topics and we we shot one with brazil on in brazil with bruce on aviation on future aviation because that's something that i try to be very transparent about i hate that i have to fly this much but it's the nature of the beast of what sure, i do sure the flight's going anyway right yeah. so while i fly and go to places i try to use my platform and i don't turn away from things like aviation because um, people are always like oh you fly so much i'm like i know but some of the pilots that are involved in our in our tours are very cautious and really really want to make a difference for future aviations and it is actually going faster than people know and people like bruce dickinson's brilliant at this like they're all about trying to get carbon neutral flights it's amazing but it takes time and it takes going around the world i know it's kind of a little ironic in a way but a lot of the events I've been speaking at in Brazil and going back in October is how do we get everybody together and talk about the solutions without fighting, right? So mm-hmm. that can be everything from aviation to food. But at the end of the day, if ever there was a the closest thing to a panacea, it's getting the world to go plant-based. You know, the funny thing, Tanya, I'm, I'm sitting here, I've been listening to you talk this entire time, and I got to tell you, you are as brilliant as any doctor who I've talked to throughout the course of not just this conference, but the history of the show. And this this community that we are in needs more people like you absolutely needs more people because you can put the total package together you know a lot of people are an expert here an expert there you are one of the few who grasp the whole picture right we all know that there are many pieces to it but you actually get that understanding and you're making steps to connect all of the dots for so many people it takes a rare talent. That's a really big compliment. I appreciate that. But it's, you know, it's your life and uh, I guess networking and put it, I really like putting the right people together and having a platform. I mean, what's the point in having a platform if you don't use it for good, right? So, right and then being, I mean, I've been surrounded by brilliant people all week here, like completely in over my head going, they're amazing, but just absorbing all that energy. And I think a, a thing we need to do across the movement 
is to unite more on topics and stop fighting about the little details yeah. because it's not you know it's progress not perfection like we can do a lot if we actually stop fighting about you know the yeah. opinion on this that i won't get into details but you know what I, I, mean? got you. <laughs> I got you man this but has yeah. been a treat you want to come back sometime absolutely all right count me in it. all right appreciate maybe i'll be a doctor by the next time i come back dr tanya <laughs> rockstar <laughs> md <laughs> Oh, man, do I love her so much. What a treat that was. Just being able to hang out with her, not just do this interview, but spend time with her, you know, for those few days that we were together in Washington for the conference and uh, got the opportunity to hang out with not just her, but Dr. Gemma Newman and Garth Davis, among others. At Trio, they went out and they did some karaoke in D.C. one night after all of the presentations had wrapped and you want to talk about a good time. What do you think it's like going to a karaoke bar with a legit rock star, right? Like, if there's a competition, aren't you automatically the favorite there? Like, aren't you just going to win because you have a legitimate rock star on your team? I mean, come on. Tanya O'Callaghan, as advertised, too much fun. Cannot wait to meet up with her again. But in the meantime, I thought it would be fun for us to check out the trailer from her YouTube series, Highway to Health. So let's take a listen to that real quick. Hi, I'm Tanya O'Callaghan. I'm Derek Green. We are both international touring musicians with a mutual love for life on the road and all things food. We are stepping off the stage and taking to the streets to show you some amazing food and introduce you to many incredible guests. Highway to Health is a show where we will be combining great food, rock and roll, education, and a lot of laughs while seeking out the most exciting plant-based food on the planet, showing you just how easy it is to be powered by plants. Along the journey, we want to showcase how a plant-based lifestyle can be a route to improving not only the health of people, but also the health of the whole planet. We've got guests from all walks of life. Going to the most interesting places with the most interesting people. All joining us on our exciting adventure down what we are calling the Highway to Health. In each episode, we will be exploring culture, eco-friendly innovations, and plant-based foods. I'm Tanya O'Callaghan. I'm an Irish musician and international touring bass player. I've been touring for over 10 years with some of the biggest names in the music industry. My name is Derek Green. I'm the singer of Sepultura, a metal band from Brazil that's been around for over 30 years. Is this one sweet? This is sweet. No? Oh my god. What's the plan? She's getting inked up. You're trying to solve a lot of things in the world, but how do you make people's lives better? Wow, that was delicious. Oh my god. Hi, my name's Tanya. I'm Derek and you're watching Highway to Hell. Except for it's hell. You <laughs> <He> said hell. <laughs> oh, highway to hell. Man, you should see some of the food that they featured on this series. Some of the stuff that they got to taste was the tastiest of the tasties. We're talking about mouth-watering yum-yums there. And they all look absolutely delectable and maybe not quite as much fun in the trailer if you got a chance to see that on YouTube. You also saw Tanya getting another tattoo. 
I mean, I would much rather sit down to a nice meal, a delicious, scrumptious vegan meal than have a needle stuck repeatedly in and out of my skin. But hey, you know what? To each his own, rock the ink. That's why you are a rock star, and that's why you are so much cooler than I will ever be, Tanya O'Callaghan, because you do it, you own it, you rock it, and you rock it well. So cool. Tanya O'Callaghan, really cool series, Highway to Health, and there's a link to their website so you can check out all the episodes in the episode notes. So go ahead and click on that. And I think one of the ones that I like in this series, probably my favorite, was the interview that they did with Kevin Smith. And he is the famed director and screenwriter and actor. And I just, I love all of his movies. And we've had his daughter, Harley Quinn, on the exam room a couple of times. Matter of fact, she did the live show with us when we were out in L.A. earlier this year. And Harley Quinn is just a chip off the old block. That is also someone who you're going to want to keep an eye on. She's going places. She's got talent for days. And I tell you what, I tell you what, if you have a few moments... Maybe before you doze off at night, check out one or two episodes of Highway to Health. So again, that link is in the episode notes. I think that you're really going to like it. It's pretty, pretty cool. As for us here on the exam room, Dr. Neil Barnard is going to be with us on the next exam room live. That's coming up this Wednesday. And we're going to be talking about new research for boosting the immune system. What food should you turn to as the seasons turn cold in order to warm up your body's natural defense system? Well, we've got all the tips and the tricks that you need to stay healthy this Wednesday, live, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel and Facebook page. You can join us then. Send in your questions right there for Dr. Barnard as we open up the doctor's mailbag or catch the replay right back here on the podcast first Thing on Thursday and raise your health IQ by a point or two then. And speaking of which, do you feel like you did that today? Feel like you learned a little something or maybe just had a giggle? Well, if you enjoyed the conversation with Tanya and you do support us here at the exam room and the physicians committee, let's pay it forward. Go ahead. Give the show a follow or subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. And when you do that, please also leave a five-star rating. That really does help us climb in the rankings so that when people go and they're looking for health podcasts, we want to be the first one that they see. So let's go ahead and make that happen. You can be a big part of that just by leaving that five-star rating and subscribing, following, and leaving a nice review. There's links to do that for both Apple and Spotify in the episode notes as well. Also there, as we're doing housekeeping, the event with the Esselstons, the entire Esselston family, joining myself, Dr. Barnard, in Washington, D.C. at the National Press Club on November 7th. We're going to be recording a very special episode of the show and honoring the Esselstons for their incredible work throughout the course of their lifetime. We're talking about generations of change that they have made in terms of the way that we view our health and enable us to take our health to the next level and helping us reshape what it truly means to be healthy. I could go on for days about how much they each have contributed to this particular community. But we're going to save that 
for November 7th, and we hope to see you there. It's a rare opportunity for you to meet Dr. Caldwell, Esselstyn, Rip Esselstyn, Anne, and Jane. All will be there at the National Press Club with Dr. Barnard and myself on November 7th. Tickets right now still available in the episode notes, or just visit pcrm.org slash events. Also, November 18th, I'm going to be in Houston for the Montgomery Heart and Wellness Summit with Dr. Baxter Montgomery and his team. Can't wait to do that big time in Texas. And then New York headed your way toward the end of November. Details to be announced, but they will be announced very, very soon. But for today, that, my friends, is all the time that we have. I want to say rock on one more time to Tanya O'Callaghan for being here and just having so much fun. I really do hope that you get the opportunity to go check out some of the wild pictures that we posted together on social media. Hit me up on Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC. She is one of a kind. Love her to death. Thanks for being here, Tanya. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. Mm-hmm.